0: Thyroid disorders during pregnancy can lead to problems for the mother, miscarriage, preeclampsia, and preterm delivery, as well as problems for the infant, including growth delays and mental retardation. Because thyroid dysfunction is often subclinical or is masked by the effects of pregnancy, women often go undiagnosed. With more than six million pregnancies in the U.S. each year, would the health benefits of routine prenatal thyroid screening and treatment justify the expense, you're listening to ReachMD Radio on XM160, the channel for medical professionals. Welcome to the Clinician's Roundtable. I'm your host, Dr. Jennifer Shu, practicing general pediatrician and author. Our guest is Dr. Kenneth Berman, president of the American Thyroid Association, chief of the endocrine section at Washington Hospital Center in Washington, D.C., and a professor of medicine at Georgetown University School of Medicine. Welcome, Dr. Berman. Thank you very much. Now, how common are thyroid disorders during pregnancy?
1: First, Jennifer, Dr. Shu, I'd like to say that I'm speaking on behalf of, of myself and as an individual physician and clinician and not speaking for the American Thyroid Association today. With regard to how common thyroid conditions are in general, there are many studies looking at uh, long-term and cross-sectional studies assessing thyroid function. And hypothyroidism, low thyroid function, is relatively common In approximately 10 to 20 percent of individuals, when looked at, more common in older people and a little less common in younger people. When it occurs in pregnancy, hypothyroidism probably has a frequency of approximately 2.5 or 3 percent.
0: And what about hyperthyroidism?
1: Hyperthyroidism is less common, and in studies, mainly from the Midwest and Mayo Clinic, looking at incidence, it seems that it's approximately 0.01 or between 0.01 and 0.1 percent of people will have hyperthyroidism. That disease occurs due to Graves' disease a little more commonly in younger people rather than older people. And in pregnancy, it's less, certainly less than 1% of individuals will have hyperthyroidism. Hypothyroidism is definitely more common.
0: Is there something about pregnancy itself that might trigger thyroid abnormalities?
1: It's a good question, and it's difficult to know with certainty. Obviously, during pregnancy, there's a generalized immune suppression And that suppression may have some effect on modulating the frequency and duration of autoimmune thyroid disease with Graves' disease occurring probably a little more frequently or possibly more frequently in that circumstance. It's unknown, however, the mechanism by which autoimmune regulation during pregnancy mediates thyroid disease.
0: What are some of the symptoms that you might expect to see with thyroid disease that could be kind of confusing during pregnancy?
1: The symptoms of hypothyroidism are so vague and nonspecific that they certainly can be confused during pregnancy. For example, tiredness, lethargy, inability to concentrate, all are frequent both in normal individuals as well as hypothyroid individuals, whether they be pregnant or not.
0: And what is the current recommendation for screening thyroid levels during pregnancy?
1: Well, now you've touched on an extremely controversial area. When should there be screening? What does screening entail? And what tests should be performed during screening? I'm going to give you my personal view, but would like to just mention some of the guidelines. The American Thyroid Association guidelines are that thyroid screening during pregnancy may or may not occur and should be emphasized in individuals who have a high risk. The American Association of Clinical Endocrinology, which is another endocrine society, of course, says that all women contemplating pregnancy or who may be pregnant should have thyroid function tests assessed. And the Endocrine Society takes a sort of middle road it says only high risk women with uh, symptoms uh, of hypothyroidism or a history that's suggestive that they may be more likely to have hypothyroidism should be screened. Those conditions would include type 1 diabetes, a personal or family history of thyroid antibodies, uh, as evidence that these individuals should be screened. However, the area is extremely controversial because a recent study in the Journal of Clinical Endocrinology and Metabolism. Indicated that about 20 to 30 percent of patients would be missed who actually had hypothyroidism if only high risk patients were screened. On the other hand, if you screen everyone, then the costs both to society and to the medical community and to the patient and the potential risk from excess testing have to be considered. So it's extremely controversial, and as you can see, there is no consensus on what should be done. I'd also like to mention that the American College of uh, OBGYN says that there's not sufficient evidence to recommend screening universally for patients when they become pregnant.
0: So would you say then that most physicians will do the high-risk screening, as you mentioned? Are they also offering screening as a possibility for women who are interested in it?
1: Well, I think that's an important distinction. So, Uh, Recommendations for universal screening are usually derived and formulated from a review of the literature, critically, by different societies and experts in the field that include clinicians and epidemiologists and statisticians, and then the society will analyze that information and make a generalized recommendation. That usually requires a cost-effective analysis as well as long-term studies showing that screening really has a benefit in decreasing disease occurrence and that you're ameliorating disease symptoms. And those are long, large-scale prospective studies. They, in general, haven't been done yet to document the benefits of screening from that universal standpoint. That is different from what an individual patient and physician decide to do when a patient comes to the office, and that's more in line with what's called case-finding. So what an individual physician does at the moment is case finding. And what society is important to do is to recommend generalized screening. So individually, each physician should decide in conjunction with discussion with the patient whether a person with personal or family history that puts them at risk for hypothyroidism should be screened or whether even a normal person who didn't have any evidence or likelihood of having hyperthyroidism or hypothyroidism should be screened that's different than what large-scale societies do. If I can, I'd also like to mention that there are two large-scale studies that I know of that are being performed, one in Wales by Dr. Lazarus and another by Dr. Sprung at the NIH. Both are trying to answer the question of should screening be performed and what are the long-term benefits and risks to patients from screening studies. And those studies' results should be available within the next several years but we don't have them at the moment.
0: If you've just joined us, you're listening to the Clinician's Roundtable from ReachMD Radio on XM160, the channel for medical professionals. I'm your host, Dr. Jennifer Shu. Our guest is Dr. Kenneth Berman, Chief of the Endocrine Section at Washington Hospital Center in Washington, D.C. We're discussing the pros and cons of routine thyroid testing during pregnancy. So if one does decide to screen a patient for thyroid disease, what would be the best screening test or tests?
1: That also is controversial, and the major tests that we use to assess thyroid function in anybody include measurement of thyroid function, such as free T4, and either a free or total T3, and of course TSH, which is the most sensitive indicator. So some individuals recommend, or some societies recommend, just obtaining a TSH level. Others recommend obtaining free T4, and others recommend measuring total TSH, free T4, and T3. However, it gets more complex than that. And that is because total T4 is becoming less used generally because free T4 is so accurate. However, in pregnancy, some individuals recommend measuring total T4 as well as the other parameters that I just mentioned, because there are changes during pregnancy of each of these hormones that make it difficult in some cases to interpret. Furthermore, the normal reference range for thyroid hormones and TSH is altered during pregnancy so when these tests are measured if they're measured during pregnancy the clinician has to refer to a normal reference range derived that is trimester specific in women who are considered normal
0: does it make sense to screen more than once during the course of pregnancy to see if there are any changes in the thyroid levels no one
1: knows that at the moment but it makes sense to me to screen if uh, before a woman gets pregnant because then you could change, make an assessment and put her on medication or treat as appropriate. If that's not done, then during the first trimester seems reasonable. I would also like to emphasize that we're speaking now of women who are normal without uh, any known abnormalities in thyroid function tests. If someone is hypothyroid and is on L-thyroxine, when they are contemplating pregnancy or become pregnant, that is a different story. People have consensus that the requirements of L-thyroxine increase during pregnancy in a woman who's hypothyroid taking L-thyroxine, and that thyroid function tests should be normalized before the patient becomes pregnant. And after the patient becomes pregnant, the requirements increase of l by 20 or 30 percent in most patients. Therefore, the thyroid function tests should be monitored very frequently. During pregnancy, at least every trimester, and most individuals like myself think they should be measured even more frequently, perhaps every two to four weeks, to catch the increased requirement and then treat them appropriately.
0: Do you know of any, or can you think of any downsides to detecting and treating thyroid disease during pregnancy?
1: Yes, and the controversy regarding screening intimately involves the issue of what are the downsides or the adverse effects of treating someone with L thyroxine. Number one, it could be that the dose that is used is too much, again, realizing during pregnancy the requirements are changing, so it's a moving target. Therefore, if the dose is too much, the TSH will be low, and the patient may become subclinically or even rarely overtly hyperthyroid, and that has its own side effects during pregnancy as well. Obviously, the patient should be monitored closely to ensure that thyroid function test is normalized if it becomes abnormal because of too much medication. If the patient is monitored, the patient also may become hypothyroid, or at least did not become hypothyroid, but the dose of thyroid wouldn't be adequate to treat the hypothyroidism, and then the dose would be increased. But the major side effect of thyroid hormone that people talk about is excessive hormone levels for a period of time.
0: And one other possible cost, I guess, is the financial aspect. Do you think insurance companies typically cover these tests or do the patients need to pay for them themselves?
1: I'm not sure of the answer to that. In the patients that I see, which are, is a specialized practice focusing on endocrinology and thyroidology, there hasn't been much of an issue getting the test reimbursed, but many of the patients are sent or evaluated because they are, have known or suspected thyroid abnormalities. If a patient has no personal or family history of thyroid abnormalities and they're asked to be, uh, and it's decided they should get thyroid function tests, I don't know for sure that they would or wouldn't be reimbursed. However, the symptoms of hypothyroidism are, may be vague, including tiredness and inability to concentrate. And if a patient has those, I think it is reasonable to obtain thyroid function tests.
0: Does thyroid dysfunction that starts during pregnancy typically continue past the pregnancy?
1: It it depends on what the cause of the the thyroid abnormality is. For example, Hashimoto thyroiditis is the most common cause of hypothyroidism, and in that circumstance, the antibodies against thyroid peroxidase or thyroid globulin are elevated, both during and before pregnancy. Those antibodies will persist after pregnancy and may even mediate a separate entity, which is postpartum thyroiditis, where thyroid function tests change in the first three to six months after, thyroid, after delivery. So in that circumstance, pregnancy is not affecting it very much. If someone had hypothyroidism due to thyroidectomy for either benign or malignant disease, that the underlying disease would not necessarily be affected by the pregnancy, but the dose of thyroid medication may be affected. Conversely, hyperthyroidism most likely due to most commonly due to Graves hyperthyroidism, where there's TSH receptor antibodies, these antibodies usually tend to get better during pregnancy, and the hyperthyroidism may be slightly better and may require less medication and then after pregnancy, the dose of medication may be, may increase and if, I'd also like to mention one other thing, and that is we're speaking about thyroid function and thyroid function tests. But there are two other aspects to mention. One I just mentioned, and that is thyroid antibodies, and that thyroid antibodies help to predict, the presence of thyroid antibodies help to predict whether a woman will get hypothyroid during pregnancy. There was an excellent article by a gentleman from Italy named Negro published in the last several years, where he analyzed women who had positive thyroid antibodies and noticed that their positive antibodies increased the likelihood of developing hypothyroidism during pregnancy. That article raised the issue whether women who have antibodies, regardless of what their thyroid function test does, whether they should be treated with thyroid hormone to prevent the hypothyroidism, and that is still an active controversy.
0: I'd like to thank our guest, Dr. Kenneth Berman. We've been discussing the pros and cons of routine thyroid testing during pregnancy. I'm Dr. Jennifer Shu. You've been listening to the Clinician's Roundtable from ReachMD Radio on XM160, the channel for medical professionals. ReachMD, online, on demand, and on air. Please visit us at ReachMD.com, and thank you for listening.